family. Here we go some more. We've celebrated communion. We've had great worship. But now it's time to get into the Word of God together. It's one of the things that centers our life is the Word of God. I mentioned earlier there's a lot of things swirling around in the spirit realm and in the natural realm. And the Word of God brings us perspective again, gives us understanding, brings us clarity, brings us value. So we're going to continue on in a faith teaching that uh, I started several years ago. Each time I preach, I preach something of faith because I believe it's one of the essentials that we go back to again and again and again. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. Defining faith is faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's a not seen part that we get into trouble with from time to time because we get to lean into our own understanding, trying to figure out how to function in faith. And so we try to produce faith by effort of the flesh. And Jesus said, the spirit gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, their spirit and their life. So we're going to look and listen to Jesus tonight. Now, the title of this that I put together is The Value of Children and Becoming Like a Child. And this is the thing that Jesus is continuing to teach the boys, and he's teaching us as well. So if you have a Bible, you can head over to Matthew 11. That's where we're going to be starting. But in a moment, i got a couple of other things I want to share with you. Because Jesus' value system is, a, is different from our value system. And so he says in John 5, 19, he said, I only do what I see the Father doing. And so I've developed a little adage out of that that many of you have heard me use before. It's, it's Father, what are you doing? What's my part in it? And how can I most quickly align with that? Aligning with the word of God is exactly what Jesus did. In verse 30 there in John 5, 19, Jesus said, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And thinking about children for a moment, in John, 1 John 3, verse 1, it says, See what an incredible quality of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we might be privileged to be named children of God, and such we are. If you've made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, then you're a child of God. You're not just a Christian, man or woman. You're a child of God. And being able to embrace that and enter into that is huge. So a couple more basic things here right now. So how do I become a child of God? John 1 verse 12 says, But to as many as received him, him Jesus, to them he gave power to become children of God, even to them that believe on his name. The... The, the word that we receive there is lambano. We've talked about that often. And it's a precious word to mean. It means to accept, take a hold of, receive what is offered, not to refuse or reject. It's a two-part word. So receiving Jesus as Savior, a lot of people want that part of it. But for receiving him as Lord, sometimes not so much. So that's an area, again, when you receive Jesus, you receive him fully and completely. And that requires surrender to his love and to his mercy and his grace. And we're going to watch Jesus as he teaches the boys in some of these areas with their attitude and their posture so they can enter into that which he's purposed for their lives rather than what they think. 
Sometimes the mind gets in the way. The mind, the will, and the emotion is the, is the soul, and that's the structure that we battle with. And the Word of God divides between the soul and the spirit and the thoughts and the intent of the heart. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it pierces. Sometimes we need to have our hearts pierced. I know in this study, this thing has poked me, and I hope it's going to poke you a bit too, because we need to be stirred by the Spirit of God to what the truth is in this season. So our values are aligned with the values of Jesus Christ and the Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you've got over to Matthew chapter 11, I want to give you just a little background of this, this chapter. Jesus has been berating the cities where he did most of his miracles. Three, three cities for Bethsaida, Chorazin, and Capernaum where there was little or no response. There was some response, but uh, the miracles that he performed there, they did not respond to. There was a lot of so-called wise and intelligent people in that area that argued with Jesus and accused him of all kinds of things in that area, but not the kind of repentance that is needed to enter into the kingdom of God. So that's the background. And Jesus had said, kind of at the end of this, just before we get into verse 25, where I'm going to pick up, he said, listen, if the miracles that were done in your three cities were done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented a long time ago. Boy, that's a strong indictment. So pick up with me in verse 25. And this is exactly where Jesus picks up after he had said the thing about Sodom. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I praise you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you did hide these things from the wise and intelligent. And I think he's probably referring to a lot of the spiritual leadership in that time, which was not very spiritual, <clears throat> and did reveal them to babes or children. This is, again, I, I wanted to emphasize to us how valuable children are. <clears throat> this was... Look at verse 26. Yes, Father, for so it was well-pleasing in your sight. Now, this is probably infant children that he's speaking about here pretty clearly, but it also could be new believers or those that are weak in faith or those that are just seeking after what God has prepared for them as well. Jesus is always looking for the seekers. Then he goes on, verse 27. <clears throat> All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone whom the Son reveals wills to reveal him. Now that can be confusing, and boy, the enemy has used this. Well, maybe Jesus doesn't want me to know the Father in that area. That's the kind of a lie that comes. But reading this in context, look at verse 28. He says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. If you're weary and you're heavy laden, then Jesus wills to reveal the Father to you. He says, come to me all. Remember, this is inclusive. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. This is open to all who are seekers. The issue with these other folks was, was hardness of heart. Hardness of heart will prevent you from receiving because the intellect is closed to receiving truth. And no faith comes in the intellect. It's in the spirit of the man or woman. When the heart is opened, the soul and the spirit are the combination of the heart. 
And when the heart is open, the heart can receive that which the Father has laid in store in and through the person of Jesus Christ. Going on and back to verse 28. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me. That, that phrase is so key. Don't miss that part. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. He's going to talk a little bit more further on here in another part of this that we're going to about humility. For my yoke is easy and my load is light. So the, the area of the coming, um, and I've used this phrase um, for a lot of years now, uh, you come as you are, not as you ought to be. It isn't trying to get your act cleaned up or to do a whole bunch of right things before you come to Jesus. No, come with your mess. He already knows that on the head. It isn't what he finds out about. Oh, I didn't know Les was all messed. He knows everything. Everything is naked and open before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So he comes to us in our brokenness and he says, come to me and receive from me because I love you. See, love covers a multitude of sin. We used that in the first Peter section earlier. And the covering isn't just temporary. Jesus has made propitiation for all of our sins. It's all wiped away. It's clean, but it has to be received. That's the part where we get tripped up from time to time. So now go with me to Matthew 18, and we're going to watch Jesus and listen to him teach the boys about his value system as far as children are concerned and humility and all the things that are necessary to enter the kingdom of God. So starting with verse 1 of Matthew 18, I'm going to read just one verse here, and then we're going to look at a couple other passages in order to get the full picture of what's actually happening. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is the greatest of the king, in the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven? And I think we could phrase this, which one of us is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So to verify that, turn with me to Luke chapter 9. And we're going to see a little bit more of the story here and how this thing plays out. Because this could be more information on the same event, or this is something that reoccurred more than one time, which I believe the latter is, is the case. Because there were several instances of this where the boys were arguing about which one was going to be the greatest. And even happened at the Last Supper where Jesus told his disciples that one of them was going to betray him. And they were discussing among themselves which one that could be. And then their argument arose again, which one would be the greatest. So Luke 9, starting with verse 46, and an argument started among them as to which one of them might be the greatest. But Jesus, knowing what they were thinking in their heart, took a child and stood him by, by his side and said to them, whoever receives this child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you, this one is the one who is great. Okay, now let's go over to Mark chapter 9, and we'll pick up a little bit more there. Things are beginning to unfold in exposing. And see, this is what the Holy Spirit does. He exposes what's in our heart. 
Because you can tell what's in a person's heart by watching where their feet go, or what they do and what they say in that area. These are the things that, that come to us. And I've heard him say this to me a number of times. He said, Les, now that's in your heart. Let me have that, and I'll give you my grace. And I remember saying this to him. I think I need the grace first. And he said, no. He said, you need to give that up. You need to let go of that because it's idolatrous to you. You're holding on to this thing that's got death attached to it. And so he knows us from the end, from the beginning. Mark 9, verse 33. <clears throat> and they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, now notice this, he, Jesus, began to question the boys. What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent. For on the way, they had discussed with one another which one of them was the greatest. And sitting down, <clears throat> he called the twelve and said to them, If anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Now, that is not what the boys were thinking, I can guarantee you, nor were any of us. We're always, you know, they were jockeying for position, figuring out in the kingdom. You know, you remember the thing when uh, James and Johnny's mama come? And said to Jesus, you know, I want to have my boy sit on one side and on the other. And I'm not going to go into that whole story. It's in, in Matthew 20. You can take a look at that. But it says at the end of that, the other of the 12 were indignant against James and John. And Jesus takes them aside at that point in time. And he said, listen, this is what the Gentiles do. But this is not the way it's going to be with you. And he ministers to that thing. So this is a reoccurring event. Serving was not their forte. Most of us are not in that area. There are some people that are, are serving. I happen to be married to one. And I have to be careful that I don't take advantage of Donna in that. But she has a servant's heart. God gave that to her. And she's enjoying serving as well. Verse 36 and taking a child, he set him before them. Notice this, and taking him in his arms. You talk about valuing, that's huge. And he said to them, whoever receives one child like this in my name receives me. And whoever receives me does not receive me, but him, him the father who sent me. So these are very precious things. And coming to an understanding of how to respond to these things and how Jesus has set this child here. He gives them a picture of what this is to look like. This is a child probably, you can go back to Matthew 18. Now we're going to kind of finish in that section. But I want to give you a couple of pictures that um, really affirm to me a child in this age area. I'm standing in the back of the sanctuary um, several months ago and Cam and Judah and Ezra had already come in and were seated down. And Jake comes in, greets me and comes over there and sneaks up behind, as it were, behind Judah and kisses him on the back of the head. Now, I'll tell you what, the expression on Judah's face at that time, I wished I'd had my camera there. It was absolutely joyful because Judah was recognizing dads here. He loves me and he's kissed me. It was just one of those precious moments that I, I cannot tell you how important it is to understand how Judah responded to his, the love that Jake gave to him at that point. The other thing I want to share with you, this was, was Donna's cousin. 
when she was a little girl, she's a grandma now, she's in another state, and she doesn't know I'm going to tell this story, but I'm going to do it anyhow. Because it was such a precious moment. And Tracy uh, and her sister Vicky would take turns asking the blessing at the table before the mealtime. And it was Tracy's turn, and this is what she prayed. Please help Vicky with her pea soup, and I wished I didn't have so much. I tell you what, we laughed at that area, but this is honesty. This is a child in that area at the very core of their being is clear, making a heart cry for herself and her sister in that dimension. And I can relate a little bit to pea soup anyhow. So let's go back to Matthew 18 now and let's look through this a little more and see what, uh, what's really here. <clears throat> Verse 2, And he called a child to himself and set him before them. We we're just referring to that, somewhere between birth and seven years old. And said, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. And the language there in the Greek is incredibly strong. Not by any means are you going to do this. Now, these guys were pretty much assured they were going to be in the kingdom. But Jesus lays this on them pretty straightforward. If you don't become humble like this child, you're not getting into heaven. I mean, it is incredibly strong and straightforward. Verse 4. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Matthew 5.20, Jesus said this, For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll tell you what, that religious spirit would keep one out for sure. Now, he says, be converted. Converted is, is a simple term. It means to change your mind, change your value system. Make it like my value system. This is what it's supposed to look. See this child? This is where, how this is supposed to function. So humble, defined, is to bring down one's pride. Oh, my does that poke us where we live at it in that dimension? How we think and how we feel, how we process. Take that down. To have a modest opinion of oneself, to behave in an unassuming manner without haughtiness. It is not our nature to take the low place and to humble ourselves. I found this quote by Spurgeon. He said, children do not try to be humble, but they are so. And the same is the case with really gracious persons. The imitation of humility is sickening, but the reality is attractive. <clears throat> Children, both rich and poor, know how to pray, uh, play together. When Gary and Barb Shepard went to Nepal, their kids, Adina and Michael, were pretty small at the time. And what was interesting is that Adina and Michael learned the mugger language a whole lot quicker than Gary and, and Barb did with a Bible translator. And the reason was the kids needed to know the language so they could pr play with the other children. And they just carried on. And they still, I, we were with them uh, a couple of years ago, and they still speak mugger to one another because it became almost their primary language but the relationship was huge. So ch 
Children teach us simplicity and humility. They're not afraid to ask and desire to learn. Children can model true things for us, but only the Holy Spirit can give us the power to do them authentically from the heart by faith. See, faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And he who comes to God must believe that he is and that is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. See, the reward isn't just what he does. It's him. We get him. He said to Abraham, and I will be your very great reward. So the reward is the person of Jesus Christ. He says, my presence shall go with you. It doesn't matter what you do or what you have involved with. When you've made Jesus Lord of your life, he's resident within you. And the acknowledgement of that in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. This has got to be functional in our lives. That's why we need a helper. He's given us the Holy Spirit to help us and to instruct us in everything, in all things, and to bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. And the Spirit of God does that from time to time. He reminds us and he brings order out of our lives. Now, I'm going to tell you a story on myself. I'm, I'm a bit embarrassed to tell this, but... Uh, I've told it before, but it's a thing that so poked me at the time by the Spirit of God. I was working at the dealership at the time in, in the shop and as a technician, and a, a fellow came walking in uh, to go into the parts department, went through the shop, and he had a ponytail down to the middle of his back. And the Spirit of God spoke to me very clearly. He said, are you looking at him in scorn? And I was. And then he said this to me, but I love him. And I cannot tell you how that pierced my heart at the time. I tell you what, it put to death a lot of things about evaluating people based on minutia. I just went to the coffee room and wept and repented for a while because it was one of the things that was so convicting to me. And I hadn't thought of it for years. And it just reminded me again, my value system was wrong really wrong. And I learned this from Tom Stipe a lot of years ago. And he said, you know, God blesses a whole lot more than I think he ought to. And I've never forgotten that phrase because I think there's times we've got a value system that's just tweaked. It's flesh. It's carnal. And Jesus said, said very clearly, we used this before, but uh, the spirit gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Boy, we've gloriously proved that. But he said, the words that I speak unto you, they're spirit in our life. And I guarantee you that was spirit in life that spoke to me that day at the dealership. Now, just going back to children here for a moment and what children can teach us. I'm going to share some things out of a, a secular book. And this fellow wrote these things down, the things that he learned in kindergarten. He says, most of, of what I really need to know about how to live and what to do and how to be, I learned in kindergarten. Wisdom was not at the top of the graduate school mountain, but there in the sand pile at Sunday school. These are some of the things I learned. Share everything. Play fair. Don't hit people. Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. Wash your hands before you eat. Flush. Warm cookies and cold milk are good for you. Live a balanced life. Learn some 
think some, draw and paint and sing and dance and play and work every day some. Take a nap every afternoon. When you go out into the world, watch out for traffic, hold hands, stick together, be aware of wonder. There's something very powerful in that little simple phrasing in that area and something that we can really learn in that area of things that we were taught. There's just basic relational things. And our God is teaching us to value his body. He said this a while back, and I think I used it at communion a while back as well. He said, you know, the head and the body are attached to one another, and there's a lot of folks who want to have a relationship with me but are not interested in having relationship with my body. And then he said this, and that will not fly. And so we're learning how to value the gifting and the calling and the anointing that's other people's lives, things that we just can't even relate to sometimes. But remember, sometimes God's blessing something that we don't know whether he should bless or not. If they belong to Jesus Christ and are true sons and daughters, I am for you. And I really believe that that's one of the things that he's teaching us in this pause period that we're in right now is to be able to value what he values. So <clears throat> when I confess I am both unable and unwilling to humble myself, then I have a place to start. So I need something supernatural to help me. That's why we need a helper. And Jesus said this in John 14, 26, when the helper, the Holy Spirit comes, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you about all things and he will bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. It's kind of like that bringing to remembrance, that thing about the dealership that I shared a few moments ago. These are things where he teaches us something that is so poignant and so piercing in that area. And then we need to be reminded of them. You know, the whole Hebrew way of teaching is remember, remember, remember. Remember the house of bodies, the land of Egypt. Remember the Red Sea. Remember the manna. Remember the water from the rock. Remember, remember. And he says, now teach these things to your children. <clears throat> well, I was stuck in Hebrews 3 and, and, and 4 for an extended time frame. And one of the things that really I saw in that, in that season, I'm not talking about like three or four months, he says, let's read it again. And there were just more and more. And the, the part that really has, has stayed with me is today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in they, when they provoked me in the wilderness and tempted me. And it, it just goes on. And then he had me go back to read Judges and I read through Judges all the way through Second Chronicles. Just finished that up. Started in the book of Ezra. And the repetition of the sin factor so many times because a, a generation rose up that did not jo know Joshua and what God did for Israel in that area. And then it just it started going south from there. Now, there were some bright spots along the way. There was David and Hezekiah and Josiah and a few others. But boy, by and large, it ended up where Israel went to captivity in, in Assyria and Judah and Benjamin to, to Babylon in that area because it got to the point there was no return. So the valuing of children and teaching them about the Lord, I cannot overemphasize this. And I believe this is the thing the Lord has really put on my heart to speak to all of us, starting with me. Did you pass these things on to your children? And so those are the things that 
he is, is, is equipping us with. So our value system is tweaked. And our values need to come back in alignment with Jesus' values, the Father's values, and alert ourselves to these things. So going back to Matthew 18 again. Verse 5, whoever receives such a child receives me. Now, Jesus relates to receiving the child as directly to receiving him. It could be said, if you don't receive the child, you don't get me either. That's pretty strong. Look at verse 6. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him that a heavy millstone be hung around his neck and that he be drowned in the depth of the sea. This is serious business. This area of his value system, there's no compromise in this thing. And if we go down to, and you can just look at this later. I don't have time to teach through this whole thing tonight. Verses 7 through 14, it gets even stronger and stronger and stronger through this area. And, and verse 10 says, see to it that you do not despise one of these little ones. Verse 14, so it is not the will of your father in heaven that one of these little ones perish. So the intensity of this uh, is amazing. David Gusick says this, if we despise humble people, we also despise Jesus. Could be new believers or those still weak in faith. Time for an attitude adjustment. Jesus is really intense to the boys and to us as well. He loves and cares children, the weak with a passion. So as we humble ourselves to become partakers and servers of the new covenant in Christ Jesus, we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, not by the works of the flesh. And this is where freedom really comes. So the valuing, going back here for a moment to verse 3, he says, truly, I say to you, unless you are converted. So two things are necessary in this attitude adjustment is being converted and having the attitude changed by the power of God, not by willpower. Boy, we've all crashed, crashed with willpower more times than we can count. So we need Holy Spirit power to be able to establish that. It said about John in, in Luke chapter 1 that he would, uh, many sons will return back to the Lord, turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, also the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And I believe we're smooth in the middle of that one right now because the return of the Lord is at hand. He's at the door. This thing is coming down quickly. And there's a bunch of people that need to know Jesus Christ, not know about him, but receive him as Lord of their life. And some of those may be in your family. You may have adult children that are away from the Lord. Boy, this is a time to intercede and asking the Lord. You may not be the one to share the gospel with them, but you might also be. So you've got to hear the Lord. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Remember, Father, what are you doing? What's my part in it? How can I miss most quickly aligned with that with my children and my family and being able to speak to that. So I want to address us as fathers. You know, there's a lot of times the spiritual training is left over to the mamas. Now, I'm not letting the mamas off the hook, but I'll tell you what, there's an area where fathers, we have a responsibility to be able to teach our children and to be able to model some of these things. And I wasn't a very good one at that. I didn't get saved till I was 33. Now, I took my children to church and to Sunday school, and we read Bible stories, and we 
went through the whole routine. But I'll tell you what, I'm a, a walking proof of the fact that going to church does not make you a Christian. You have to receive Jesus. And we have to be able to enter into that. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 and 7, And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit down in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. This is serious area where he's been calling us. So I'm not bringing any condemnation or any shame on anybody. It doesn't matter where you're at. You may be a parent, listen to this, you're not even, you never made Jesus Lord of your life. Well, you can't give away what you don't have. So you have to come and receive first the fact that he loves you. You're surrendering to his love and to his mercy and to his grace, not to procedure. Man, that religious spirit has given us all kinds of procedure that has really messed with us. So I'm going to ask us, and I said us very clearly, some questions. Number one, what are you teaching your children? Either by doing or not doing. Recognize that no matter what's going on, you are teaching your children because 75% of all learning comes from modeling. They're watching you, I guarantee it. And they will learn from you, and some of them will end up using language we that they heard you say that you wish the, they hadn't heard. Those are the kinds of things that we end up modeling from time to time we wished we hadn't. Now, number two, have you shared your story of how and when you received Jesus Christ as Lord of your life in that area? This is huge. See, I grew up as a pastor's kid, but no one ever explained it to me. There was too much things that were just assumed in that season of my life in that area that you would kind of get by osmosis or you would come into it and figure it out on your own. Well, I didn't. I went through a series of, of years of a lot of rebellion. Now, the other thing, have you talked with them about water baptism when you were baptized and tell your story in that area? And how about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? See, this is where the power is at. Every one of the gospels identifies Jesus Christ as the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. Many of them add the word fire as well because the fire has got to be lit. And that's where it comes from by the power of the Spirit of God because the Spirit gives life. And that religious spirit has discounted that and, and told us this is just a Pentecostal thing. No, it's not a Pentecostal thing. It's a Jesus thing. He told the boys just before he, he went back to heaven, he said, first of all, he told them to stay in Jerusalem until they'd be clothed with power from on high. And he said, you're going to be baptized in the Spirit not many days from now. And you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. I think Jerusalem to us represents those in our family or those closest to us. And then it just kind of goes out from there. But again, you can't give away what you don't have. Doesn't matter where you're at in the process. It's available to everyone. All you need to be is a seeker and one of those that are desirous for that. One other thing, teach your children about the laying on of hands. Paul says to Timothy in, in 2 Timothy 1.6, he says, stir up the gift that's within you that's been placed there with a the laying on of hands. Now, the laying on of hands, power doesn't come out of our hands, but power is released by the laying on of hands. This is something very significant. 
And many times I've stood right up here when we were praying for the kids. I'll say, parents, now lay your hands on your children. And the, the whole area, see in Mark 16, it also says that believers lay hands on the sick and they recover. Have you taught your children about the laying on of hands? If they're sick, you lay your hands on them and pretty soon you have them lay your hands, their hands on you. Some of the, the, the most profound healings I've ever experienced in my life is when my kids were praying for me. Our granddaughter shared this a while back. She was, had a, a serious headache that had been going on for days and she just had a new baby and all of that. And the three-year-old, she said, uh, why don't you, you lay hands on mama and pray for me? And he said, well, Jesus doesn't answer my prayers. Well, she says, come on now, you can do this. He laid hands on her, instant healing in that dimension. So those are areas when we teach our children these things, these are fundamentals of being saved, being water baptized, being filled with the Holy Spirit, be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then to be able to understand what the gift and the calling that's in their life. That's part of our task is to help our children identify what God has placed in there. You see, God placed an anointing on Donna and I. Now, when that we come together, there's a strength in our one flesh union. I believe the marriage union produces the greatest anointing because it's a picture of Jesus in his church. So then we pass that down to our children, but God has already placed an anointing in their lives as well. So then what we pass down to them, it multiplies what they have and consequently is it just goes right on down through the generational line. There's an increase of anointing and they get it sooner. And my grandkids have come back and ministered a lot of these things to me and learning from our children. This is huge because they operate in something because of the honesty and the integrity of their heart and their little spirits aren't messed up like a lot of our adult ones are. So as we draw this together, don't, don't feel condemnation or shame or whatever else. If you're stuck or you miss some of these things or whatever, Wherever you are, the availability is come now. When you're weary, when you're heavy laden and overburdened, come to me and I'll give you rest. Then he says, learn from me. I cannot tell you how important. Learn from me because I'm gentle and humble of heart and you will find rest for your soul. I'll teach you how to walk in and by the power of my spirit and by my word. See, the, the word of God feeds our spirit. Jeremiah 15, 16 says, your words were found and I did eat them and they become to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. I can remember this was like yesterday, Doug Shepard reading that to be down in City Beach in Oak Harbor. And I said, Doug, where is that word? I want that word. And another one that, that comes to me right with that is Deuteronomy 30, 19 and 20. And it says this, I call heaven and earth to record against you this day that I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Now, therefore, choose life that you, and listen to this, and your descendants may live by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, by clinging to him, for he is your life in the length of your days. That's what we have to communicate and teach to our children. And then becoming like a child in humility and being a good promise receiver along the way. So kind of the bottom line in all of this, whatever you're missing, let's get it. It's available to you. All you need to do is come and ask. As Jesus told the boys, ask and keep on asking. It's a continuum in that area.
Because once you're born again, faith for salvation is a secure area. But I'll tell you what, faith for the things that you will um, encounter along the way in ministering to your children and just in life in general, you're going to need Jesus Christ to be author, finisher, author, finisher, author, finisher. That's how he's designed us to live in dependency on his grace and on his mercy and the power of his love because faith works by love. It's the only way it does. So we have to come to the author and the finisher of faith. And some of that requires us to look away from whatever is distracting us and look and fix our eyes on him and allow him to teach us so that we get it at the very core of our being. So be able to serve. Serve is huge. I was sharing this with a, with a friend of mine that lives in another city. And he was telling me that he was building a chicken house for some new chickens they got. And his little four-year-old daughter was there just kind of observing. And he sensed that she really wanted to help. She wanted to do something. And he said, first of all, I had to make a decision that it was not probably going to be as good as without her help in that area. Because, you know, sometimes when children help, uh, it doesn't come out exactly the way we want. And I'm a perfectionist, so I like for everything to come out looking good. Well, he began to teach her number, a couple of different things. Number one was painting. And he said, I was amazed at how adept she was at painting. And then he said, I was laying out some studs and I, I was having, and she was laying them out in order and then holding them while he was using the nail gun to put this thing together. And the joy that was in her heart. And she had to run, tell her mama what she was accomplishing in this thing. And this is what he said that really struck my heart. He said, I knew that I had to stop what I was doing and serve my child. Tell you what, there was something so powerful in that area. So we teach them in all of these areas, spirit, soul, and body, doesn't matter. They need to know. And we need to be able to model and demonstrate something by the power of the Spirit of God and by the Word of God. And that's what Jesus had to teach the boys, the value system. Value them all. And so I just want to say this to us as adults. Now, don't try to do somebody else's gift. That just doesn't work. You've got to embrace who God called you to be to be able to call and out and, and work out that which he's worked into you. This happened to me as well. I'm walking in behind my senior pastor one of the first times I was uh, in ministry. And he spun around and he stuck his finger in my chest and he said, listen, stop being, trying to be someone else. God's put an anointing on your life. Do that and do that alone. And I went, whoa, really? Because he recognized I was trying to copy other people and it was phony. There was no anointing on that at all. So you have to embrace who you are. You also need to embrace other people's gifting and what God's put in their life and be able to learn and receive from them as well. We talked about that earlier. Some people's stuff in the way they function, et cetera, just ooh, goes kind of crossways with me. But if God's blessing it, don't mess with it. Use it, learn from them, grow together and become God, all that God has called you to be in this process of becoming like children. So there, let's pray together. 
Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that you are so patient with us, that you've given us the ability to learn and grow and become like a child, the becoming process. Something is being birthed, something is being changed, something is being transformed in us, something is being produced that's supernatural. And so, Lord, wherever we have leaned to our own understanding, we come and apologize and ask that you would forgive us. And there may be some of you that were watching tonight that never have made Jesus Christ Lord in your life. This is absolutely foundational. So would you pray with me to simply receive? Remember we used the scripture for a, a moment ago to as many as received Jesus. To them he gave power to become children of God, even to them that believe on his name. So, Lord Jesus, we surrender to you fresh and new this night. We accept what you did at the cross. We believe that you've been raised from the dead and you are now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And you've gone to prepare a place for anyone, everyone who is willing to come and receive who you are and make you Lord of their lives. Father, for the, if, if that was you, Please let us know. We'd love to connect with you, pray with you, or help you in any way we can. And Lord, for the rest of us, Lord, that have been saved for a while, many of us need to have an attitude adjustment. I know I'm at the head of the class for that. So that we can come into a place of being good receivers, receive like a child. Children never, they just don't argue about receiving. They just receive. Would you create in us power to will and to do for your good pleasure that we can come into that place of grow into the full intended purpose of the Father heart of God, that we would become a body of believers that cares fervently for one another. We love each other and we move together, not just here at the Bridge Fellowship, but even beyond that as well, that you would grow us and increase us so that we can become that which you've ordained and purposed. And one day, be in your manifest presence. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you to continue to expand this, to teach us, to grow us into that which the Father has chosen to impart to us. In the holy name of Jesus Christ, we believe and receive these things now. Amen. Amen.